Welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at harbourcitydbn on socials. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to be at Harbour City. We know some people here and obviously we know these guys and we know the guys before these guys. Um, really, Jamie and Lisa, thank you. Thank you for the invite. Uh, really, really, we've been looking forward to this, Zamo and I, and to really come out. I think Harper City is, is part of our story. So we, our church, um, before COVID, everybody has a COVID story, right? <laughs> I think, were you trying to quantify what that looks like last, last, last week? <laughs> Something along those lines. Everybody has a COVID story. Part of our COVID story in our church is we used to meet at uh, UKZN uh, before COVID. And so we considered Harper City to be our neighbors, basically. And, uh, uh, and obviously at the time, you know, Grant and Michelle were, were leaders and we were in part of the, you know, seeing the transition. And, we, you know, Jamie has given a context of how we met. I remember the time. New, one, new, one new man, one new humanity. And, um, and it's been five years, I didn't realize that. You know, time flies, eh, Jamie? And we're growing up, and we're growing old. Um, but, but I think it's been beautiful to, to witness the transition here and the handover. And just the plan of God, I think you have really great leaders um, inside of uh, Jamie and, and Lisa who have taken over the leadership of this church. And, and we look forward to seeing what God is going to be doing uh, inside of, inside of Harper City. Uh, we're just talking about, you know, some things about combined meetings and all of those things. And, and uh, we really, although we're now meeting it in Glenridge, we still consider Harper City to be our neighbor. Uh, and we believe that we're going to be relocated back to you guys at end somehow, some, sometime, you know. Uh, things have to normalize at some stage. Uh, I think things are normalizing. So thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks uh, to you, uh, Harper City. And we all have been building inside of this very challenging time. Um, the earth has not seen, or the world has not seen what we have seen uh, in the last two years. As something has been happening all across the world all at the same time. I was having a conversation with someone. And he, he made a confess, uh, you know, an observation that actually probably the last time humanity saw that was during the floods of Noah, is that, is that this thing was happening all around the world. There was, there was rain, and that's significant. And um, uh, this, this event, this time, this season that we're going through, is that the nations have been going through the same thing, negative as it is, but we have a shared experience inside of, that, inside of the season. And still kind of... Uh, we're hoping that it's going to normalize soon and we'll have these variants, whatever you would call it, Omicron. And, and uh, now we hope that it's going to normalize. But it's been a proper challenging season in the, last two, in the last two years. And so I hope that as we impart and look into the Word of God, that we're all going to be, you know, we all are in the journey of being revived back to the kingdom of God is not surviving. The, king, the kingdom of God is advancing. How many of us know that? That in, in the days of challenge, in the days, in the day, what, what does the prophet say in Isaiah 6? The day that the king was here died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. He sees God established 
in his position unchallenged inside of a time when everybody was challenged and shaken. And so the kingdom of God is not surviving. The kingdom of God is advancing. The challenge I feel for us as church, as we move post-COVID, whatever that looks like, is to come back to the advancing mode of the kingdom of God. Get to wear masks and, you know, hibernate and, you know, duck or, uh, you know, uh, an advancing mode. And you and I are called to advance the kingdom of God. And so we need to get back to this idea of advancing. In the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God was advancing, it says, the Gospels. And it links the advance of the kingdom to a, to, to a man, John the Baptist, to the activity of the man, to the kind of life that he lived, that we can share the same testimony. That in our days, in the days of Harper City, the kingdom might advance. In the days of LSA, the kingdom of God may advance. Uh, I think that's still hope. And so, could yes, all of the challenges, and it's been a systemic pandemic that it's affected a whole range of other things. It's not just a public health crisis. It's economics, it's social issues, it's cultural issues, all sorts of things. But inside of that, we need to find the context within which the kingdom of God advance. Uh, inside of the crisis is the opportunity for the kingdom to advance, actually. Um, and, and, and maybe the church has been tested, and church has to be tested. Uh, everything that God builds has to be tested. God tests his building. He does test the things that he builds. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 that that which we build has to be tested. And uh, the last two years has been a season of testing. And the season of testing is equally a season of reflection. It's a season to reflect how we're building and how we're doing what we're doing. Whatever, has, whatever that has not been able to stand in the last two years needs to be questioned. So this is, for me, I believe the church is in a contemplative time, contemplative season, uh, to con contemplate, to reflect, to, to, think about, to think about what's been happening and reflect doctrinally and theologically about what's been happening, not just to lament the crisis, but to look at it prophetically, to look at it through the view and through the lens of the promises of the Lord and what God is building and what God wants to build through the eyes of structural, you know, engineering. Jesus says, if you build a building... We know what that looks like. If you build upon the rock, he says, the, here's, the amazing thing about that parable is that on the sand, the other, is built, the other house is built on the rock. Um, uh, they both, both these buildings experience the same level of impact, same crisis, which is the flood, right? Flooding and stuff. But the impact is different. It's possible for you and I to go through crisis and survive it, prevail in it. Um, it all depends on how we're building. And, and I believe that the church is in that contemplative space to, to consider how we build. That's what Paul says. Consider how you build. First Corinthians 3. How we build, not just church as in institutional church on Sunday morning, but let's consider how we build our families. Let's consider how we build our marriages. Let's consider how we build. So, through, I think the church has to be in a time of contemplation to consider how she has built and come to a place of revelation of, you know, for the new. The word that God gave us, and I'm going all over just creating a picture as we initiate this 
this, uh, you know, when the, the COVID hit, first hit in, May, I mean, in March uh, uh, 2020, was the word new ecology. You're going to go through a season of loss and gain. You're going to go through a season of extinction and newness. New environment for the purposes of God. And the new ecology, this process of loss and gain, extinction and newness, meant that you're going to lose things that you're familiar with. And um, church looks different two years after, the, you know, after COVID. Uh, people, people have moved. People have left. Uh, this church, I'm sure, looks different to you. Uh, people have moved. There's been a lot of movement during the two years. I don't think we, with Zamo and I were talking, I don't think we fully comprehended that word and with like reflecting on that. When God said, and gaining. The purpose of extinction was because God was taking us to newness. And I believe that I think the church is now tipping over into that newness. And so I want to declare that over, over you, Harper City, that we might believe the word of the Lord. And in fact, that word was really based on 2 Peter. And that's not, this is not my preach. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 to 13. I want to read this, this scripture for you so that you can, you know, go home and think about it and pray over it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 to 13, it says this here. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, <clears throat> but is not slow in keeping his promise. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. So the first thing begins with, it. let's adjust our sense of timing and time frame. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some understand slowness. He's, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we're already dealing with the tension of things seemingly moving slow. But in verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The demons will disappear with a roar. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. This, he uses the analogy wouldn't associate with God. The idea is this, when the thief comes to your home, you're going you're gonna to lose something. Come like a thief. Then it says the heavens will disappear. So that's where we're seeing this extinction, the disappearance of the things that we have known over the years. The normal, the old ecology. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It says since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought to be, Harper City? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward, so midst of things disappearing and in the midst of this extinction process, forward, the call is to have vision in verse 12. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So only are we looking forward to God's day, but we are speeding it up. We are fast tracking it. We are picking up the pace. And how do we pick up the pace? Through the process of obedience. When we obey the Lord, then we fast track what God wants to do inside of our lives, inside of Harper City. You look forward. So in the day of extension and disappearance, the call is the call to look forward. The call is the call to have a vision. The day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. Destruction of heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. But invested in. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. And I know that we can apply that scripture. You know, it's, it's an eschatological scripture, but we are looking prophetically in terms of 
us moving over into a new season and what that lo- looks like. Tension that happens and then there's new heaven and new earth. What does it look like for Harper City? Even a new earth, new ecology. The home of righteousness. And so the day of the Lord comes like a thief. It's sudden. It, it comes with loss and confusion. When you wake up in your house and you see a whole lot of items stolen, it brings a sense of trauma and awe. Eat, it's coming. And obey the Lord so that you can partner with the Lord so he can, you know, move things towards fulfillment. Day comes when the promise of God is fulfilled for you, Harper City. It's going to look like a new heaven and a new earth. It is for us to quantify that, to walk with God and quantify that. And I had God say new ecology at the start of the pandemic in 2020. And, and I believe this word for our church. I believe this word for the church of Jesus Christ. We have had to walk through the day of the Lord, him coming like a thief, the loss of life, the or loss of the way of life, loss of life as we know it, and the gaining of the promise, which is the new heaven. that God gave us, and I just wanted to declare that uh, to you, Habasiji, as we start here. I want to talk to us about kingdom humanity. Part of what I, I, I believe is the new ecology in the church of Jesus Christ is church stepping into what I call kingdom humanity. And I want to, you know, speak a little bit about that and that, what that looks like. And, and, and then again, as we move back to move away from surviving to advancing the kingdom of God. In the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God was forcefully advancing. In the days of Harper City, the kingdom of God has to force, forcefully advance. So let's talk about kingdom humanity. I'm sure when I say the word humanity, you can think about life as, you, as we know it around us. Think about life in South Africa, in Devon. We can think about all you know, sorts of things. We can think about the floods and the impact. We can think about the looting. We can think about all sorts of things. We can think about issues of justice. We can think about issues of about families failing and uh, what's happening with the youth. The word humanity is a word that suddenly allows us and empowers us or conditions us to look at the human condition. Now, we do serve God and a God who looks at the human condition all the time. The word, the eyes of the Lord are scanning to see. Scanning, he scans through South Africa. He scans through the city of, just like he scanned through the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. God is always looking and scanning throughout humanity to, to, to assess the human condition. He looks at families. What family condition are you and I coming out of this morning? What's happening in our marriage with our children? What's happening between us, husband and wife? Those things, the word humanity is the word that empowers us and that conditions us to look into the condition of human life. The condition of human life. So kingdom humanity speaks of the quality and the state of being human. It speaks of or it refers to humans as a collective. City of Devon, if one or South Africa church, or a city, or the nation. Speaking about the collective human condition when we're speaking about the word humanity. We know that the first time we're confronted by God's activities in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And that word man in the Hebrew is the word human beings. 
It's not simply a word male, as in let us make Jamie in our image and our likeness. The word man there is the word, the word Adam, so used to, as a name of the first man, Adam. People, the human race, humanity. So God is saying in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, let us make humanity in our image and in our likeness. That word Adam. Let us make this Adam of God in our, in our, in our image and in our likeness. And Paul picks on this word in the New Testament. Translations, you know, use, you know, we speak of, for instance, one new man, one new humanity. Bible version that you are reading from. Uh, in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man or the new humanity. Uh, the word new man, there is not new male. Is the, word, is the word new humanity, new anthropos. This word anthropology, the study of mankind, the study of humanity. So in the Old Testament, you have the word Adam. Let's make this Adam, this humanity. Let's make people in their collective arrangement. That's what God does in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Paul's in his apostolic teachings quite commonly use the word humanity, anthropos, uh, one new humanity, new humanity, whatever, you know, different verses where Paul quite commonly used this word. And so to put on the new humanity of Jesus, in that context, humanity is used as, as a state of life. Jesus actually has a humanity. And yes, we know that Jesus was a man, was an earthly man. We can talk about the historical Jesus. But beyond just that, he was an earthly man. He has a humanity that we are called to study and to adopt inside of our own lives. And Paul says, put off your old humanity. humanity. So just, you know, actually adopting a human construct. Like what you and I have been used to. Coming out of, when we get saved, coming out of a world that has sought to define us. Literally, as there's different things that define us. Our race construct defines us. When I say I'm black, I'm not talking about simply the color of my skin. There's actually nothing black about me right now. Uh, I'm talking about a construct. construct. Yeah, I'm white, I'm not talking about the color of my skin. I'm talking about a cultural construct. So these are constructs. Ideologies seek to define how we, you know, uh, you know skin, our race, or ethnic groups seek to define how we understand life. We are to come out of that, Paul says, and adopt what he calls a new human construct built after the nature of God. Nation, therefore, goes beyond just stopping what used to be bad habits in the past into adopting a humanity in Jesus that is built after God, godliness and righteousness of God and as we are taught in the word of God. And so there are these two big words in the Old Testament and New Testament. The word Adam in Genesis 1, 26. And the word Anthropos in the New Testament, Ephesians 4, verse 24. It says in Genesis 1, 26, Then God said, Let us make men in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. I'm reading from the NIV here. Male and female, he created them. And so we see God 
these were immortal humans. They could not die at the time. They were only died after, the, after committing sin. We know the story of creation and Adam and the fall and all of that stuff. The purpose of being human was really to humanize the image of God. The likeness and let them rule over. In verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So the purpose of being human is to humanize what is otherwise divine. In the word of God in the Bible, has to be humanized or incarnated, if you want to use that word, by you and I. Now to come to the place where we incarnating the divine nature of God, whether as male and female, by the way, in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, them. And so there's a, a point of commonality even actually called male and female to be the incarnation of the image of God. It's the purpose of being human, to incarnate, to humanize the image of God, to humanize God's divine nature here on earth. And to humanize, to represent something in human form. That means to represent something in human form. So we, have a, we are being challenged as we come into the kingdom of God. What are we representing in our human form? Am I representing my blackness, my whiteness? Am I representing my maleness, my femaleness, or am I representing the image of God through my human construct? Presenting that in human form. And sin was a violation of that, of that very same people. So sin violates the image of God inside of our hearts. Now, here is what you know, it says in Genesis chapter 5, as you read the story, the very early stages of God's creation. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, it says, This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him a likeness of God, it says again. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them men. Men, you are humanity, created in my image. The idea of being human is to, we are humans, because we are humanizing. We are putting in bodily form otherwise divine and invisible. We are representing in bodily form what is otherwise divine and invisible. God looked at himself and he carved out of his own image and created you and I. And so our purpose is to humanize that which is divine, eternal, visible. Chapter 5, verses 1, verse 1 says, This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, from which I come. I was born, the nation in which I was born, but in the likeness of God, created, he called them humans, humanity in the, in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 6, the next chapter, we see something else that's, that's happening there. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5, how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. Grieves God here is when we lose the mission to humanize that image. That is when God is grieved and that is where God is filled with pain. When we lose, when we deviate from our very mission to humanize, to incarnate, to put in bodily form that exists in God creates us 
as immortal humans in Genesis. That means to represent his nature in human form. It means that the, we become truly humans. We can't become human beings outside of the frame of God's image, outside of the frame of God's kingdom. And I guess, the, you know, when you look at the history of mankind and what's happened since the fall, we see, you know, what happens when we exist outside of the frame of God's image. Now, we humanize the image of God in two ways. We humanize the image of God as individual human beings. We have to humanize the image of God as collective humans. Aspects of the nature of God that you and I cannot... God is love, right? Nature cannot be experienced outside of a context of collective humans. Like Harper City living together. When God creates the first man, Adam, is not sufficient. It is incomplete. Brings the woman next to him so that together they would be able to experience and humanize aspects of God's nature that are impossible to be captured by single human beings. When I say single, I don't mean unmarried. <laughs> <laughs> like help a city living together together called to incarnate Jesus in the city of Devon. When the city looks at us, they can see what Jesus actually looks like. Point of being church. The South African context, the, the struggles of race and all those issues that you and I know very well about is, is it is principles that reconciliation cannot be practiced in your bedroom alone. And so in the very crisis and fracturedness of the world is the opportunity to express something that is divine. The point of it all, in other words, is not to be political. The point of it all is to actually demonstrate God in the midst of the brokenness of the world. The origins of these things has, has, has to be God. So there are things that I can demonstrate as, as a man standing alone. But there are things that we can demonstrate as a people collectively joining together. That's a point of a church. That's a point of the ecclesia of Jesus planted in a city like Durban. Is that you together. It really doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. It mission to incarnate. Whether there's six of us or 600 of us. Principle is the same. We have to incarnate something together. To incarnate something together. Individual human beings, collective humanity is also called to express the image of God. And so the church is really called as alternative humanity in the midst of a broken world. To do a bunch of things, but to be something. To be that humanization of Jesus in the midst of a broken world. In the midst of a broken world. So principles like love, reconciliation, um, forgiveness. Give somebody. You need to be offended first. Of God, when people live together, offending one another and having to forgive one another, having to have difficult conversations, that the nature of Jesus is displayed from what nations can otherwise see, and this is locked in the very mystery mystery of Christ uh, in the scriptures in John chapter one verse, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
John chapter 1, verse 1. In verse 14, the word became flesh. So there we see the humanization, the incarnation, this kingdom humanity displayed by Jesus walking up, uh, in the earth in, in a historical time that was real. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. You could characterize that. There were characteristics like grace and truth that are used here in John chapter 1 verse 14. That characterized the very nature of Jesus as a man, as a human being. The word became flesh. So Christ is that conversion point of the word becoming flesh in my life. It's to convert what we dream of to become a, re a human reality. He, he, he wants to incarnate, he wants to be humanized by us. And, and I say this, he, he wants us to give him a demographic profile. In every kind of human complexity there is in this world, Jesus has to be displayed. And he wants you and I to give him a demographic profile. He wants men to display him, just like he wants women to display him. Gender of the church, even the context of gender, is not the mission of gender, the mission of Jesus. Fighting for women, just to be expressed in the form of a man, the mission of the church. That's the struggle of the church. Female, in his image. Christ is the word of God becoming flesh. Christ is always found in that conversion point. Convert, when things change from spirit to matter, that is Christ. So when you and I are convicted about something, and, and you know conviction works in two ways, right? Something bad and God comes to convict me. But also conviction can be not necessarily that I did something bad, just that God is showing me him. He's showing me a better version of myself. So conviction does not have to happen because I did something bad or I committed sin. It can be because of revelation of Jesus. I feel like my current construct falls short in comparison to what I see. I want to change. It happens when you and I get convicted and actually obey and become faithful to that conviction, conviction moment, Christ in our lives. And we're allowing the world around us to see him. To God who is in heaven, but for men, through Harper City. That's this dynamic of we worship God and, and, and yes, our Father who is in heaven, that's what the Bible says, must become flesh. It's, a, it's an exchange that God wants to take us through. And Jesus represented that very, very well. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, it says here, about Jesus, we know this scripture, it begins in verse 5, actually by saying, have the same mind or same attitude that was in Jesus. Then it says in verse 6, who being in, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But, and then it says this, being made, yes, and being found in appearance as a man. So we note these phrases in verse 7, being made in human likeness. It means Jesus actually humanized the divine nature of God. In appearance, allegiance was to the divine and not to his ethnicity. Disciples were always like, you know, how does this man operate? How does he think? How does he think about the issues and current affairs and you know, socio-political issues? 
in Acts chapter 1, you know, when are, we, when are you going to restore the, 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 the kingdom of Israel? And he's like, to baptize in the Holy Spirit. Challenged and confronted by how he thought. He was a human. So Jesus is God found man. Jesus is God found in human likeness. Jesus is God humanized. Now, Jesus started that mission and he's left that to, to help a city to LSA that we may pick on that. Us, John 1.14, um, uh, the word becomes flesh through you and I. God convicts inside of our hearts and the word becomes flesh. Each time we are faithful to that conviction, the word becomes flesh. Here's what Jesus said uh, to his disciples in John 14. Again, talking about humanization process. John 14 verses 8 to 11. Philip is asking the question, Lord, show us the Father. In John 14, in verse 8 and verse 9, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. Yes, we can talk of this in the context of Jesus was the Messiah, but there is a Christianity mission is that you and I humanize that which is divine. Paul would pick on this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He's saying the same words that Jesus was saying here. He says, this is now Paul speaking to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body and gave himself for me. Now, very similar words to the words of Jesus himself. It was asked, where is the Father? Show us the Father. In verse 9, Jesus answered, don't you know, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you uh, uh, such a long time, anyone who has seen me, to the words of Paul, to the Galatians, would Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body. Basically, Paul is saying, I ate in the Son of God himself. Here's the thing. To humanize Jesus, Paul gives us another detail. He says, we are willing to crucify our, our earthly profile, uh, our social profile. To be able to be willing to crucify your earthly social profile so that you can get to the next stage of humanizing Jesus inside of your own life. Or where the struggle becomes or where we, you know, we struggle is... Is, 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 is breaking through that whole idea of I need to be crucified. So the idea here by Paul is that not only has Jesus been crucified for us, for you and I to be saved, which is true. He's been crucified for you and I to be saved. Thank, we thank God for Jesus who went to the cross. But there is an invitation for you and I to not only stand from a distance and receive salvation, but to, journey, to join Jesus in the crucifixion process. Then, then we get empowered for mission on earth changes. In other words, earth will change. Because in all circumstances, we're seeking to humanize divine. We're seeking to humanize Jesus. And we're no longer just standing from a distance receiving salvation and wiping out and saying, oh, thank, thank God for a good meal. 
I think I can join you. So really, 2,000, more than 2,000 years later, how many crosses should you be seeing around Jesus? What did he say? Carry your cross and follow me if you want to be my disciple. And many crosses around that one cross. Just receiving and being thankful. Church can be on the receiving end in the salvation transaction. We call beyond standing on the receiving end. We called to join with Jesus that together with him crucified. What does it look like for Robert? In terms of my earthly profile, my history, I need to crucify that. It gives me a platform upon which I stand is what I need to crucify. Remember, that's what Jesus crucified. crucified. In Philippians 3, he crucified his earthly profile. To crucify our earthly profile, we'll never be able to humanize the divine. We humanize something else other than the divine nature of God. Enjoying the good food of the cross, when God says you need to become the, you need to become the good food of the cross in the city of Devon. Just, I mean, people in the city of Devon don't just want to hear about who was crucified. They want to see a bunch of people who have been crucified. Devon is groaning of a man who was once crucified. The city groans for people who are being crucified. Join that mission of being crucified with so we can humanize him. So without crucifixion, there is no resurrection without crucifixion. Yeah, we, we sometimes can pray for resurrection power. Meant to be praying for, for resurrection power. But really, the only way you get resurrection power is by dying. It's not by praying for it. You've got to go to the cross and die. And through death, three days, you get resurrected. You know, it is dying people who will walk in the resurrection, resurrection power of God. Resurrection power is humanization of the divine. Don't want to humanize my history and my blackness. Humanize Jesus. To join, to be saved is to betray. I use the word betray in a positive context here. It is to betray my history. People that look like me who are not saved must hate me. Will often hate you. Because salvation is a betrayal of your earthly profile. Unless it tastes like that to people around you. You know about God. <laughs> Am I being crucified? Am I saved? Am I saved? <clears throat> The human space is a battle of spirits. When you read the Bible, you understand this. So actually, it's the forces of evil wanting to enter into your heart, God, or the forces of good, the Holy Spirit coming into your heart, wanting to empower you and I to humanize Jesus. Theologies and concepts and definitions, and it really comes down to those two things. Spirits that would like to inhabit Robert ways of deliverance and there's a demon in me or it's concepts it warns that in the last days some will follow the doctrines of devils sometimes very nice sounding concepts and ideologies and principles we are the battlefield of spirits you know there's the holy spirit wanting to come into your heart not just to give you a charismatic encounter the principles of the word of god but there are other spirits too is the matter it's your obedience is my obedience 
when I give in to God, when I say, I, I want to be crucified. I want to be crucified. His crucifixion, I want to be crucified with. I want to join him. Mission of the cross. Many believers these days have joined the mission of the cross. Who have received from the cross, but we have joined the mission of the cross. Crucified with you. Well, it's a call to humanize and that take us through the valley of crucifixion. It's restored. And, and, so, and so church gets caught up in whether we have to do things or whether we have to become something in the church. The mission of the kingdom is very operational. We have to preach the gospel. We're actually called to become, to humanize, to become something. The mission is also formative. And I think when we hold in proper balance, this twofold mission that is formative and operational, and hold in proper balance, People are hungry, want to be fed, and all these things, good things that we do. is groaning. What does Roman 8 say again? Creation is groaning for fully incarnated people. The greatest desire of Devon, all sorts of things in Devon, but the greatest desire for De- in Devon that look like God. Creation, but who can live like God as a collective. That's where the challenge is, right? Collective. Collective. All. So we want to hold that in proper balance between uh, this issue of are we becoming efficient for until we become, verse 13, until we become. Not until we do, but until we become. And the becoming always points things back to Robert, until we become. So a man may see, yes, we understand that, um, which is a call to humanize Jesus. And so I want to say to you, Hapa City, that 2000, more than 2,000 years later to see or the world must see, must see around that one cross. With your name and with my name. Stand and let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you this morning. We are called not just to stand from a distance and appreciate what you did for us. But we're actually called to join you. That together with you we can be the righteousness of God. In the midst of the city of Devon. The need of Devon. And not through the lens of political analysts and economists and social justice activists. But through the lens of the, of the scripture, we understand the primary need of Devon. The needs that this city has. But Lord, if we do other things without becoming the sons, then we are failing the project of the kingdom of God. Failing the mission of the kingdom. We see the story of creation. You're creating us with the purpose to humanize you. You give me the opportunity to display the aspects of God's nature that I am incapable of displaying alone. Reconciliation, standing in the midst of a company. So we thank you for this company, Harper City, years of the pandemic, and you are working in the hearts. We thank you for this season. And Peter says the morning star shines right deep within our own heart. We thank you for what has been shining in the midst of the darkness of the pandemic. Sin, what in the external looks like a challenge, but there's been a shining light of the word of God on the inside of us. And you brought us to this place in May 2022 where we can begin to look forward like it says in 2 Peter chapter 3. I pray that this church will be a church that looks forward. That this church will not be a church that is caught up in the pandemic in the crisis of the day. But it will be a church that looks forward to the new ecology, to the new home 
of righteousness. That will be a church filled with a people, a company of visionaries, people who, who, who see in God, who see beyond just their own human imagination. Church, oh God, of people who are willing to be crucified with Jesus and to understand the collective mission, not only to do but to be and to become. That there can be a people that stand together to behold Jesus Christ. That together they get transformed into a new image. We thank you, Lord, for Jamie and Lisa. We thank you that there will be a couple, a pastoral couple that looks forward, Lord. That has a vision. And so we thank you as you open up avenues inside of their own heart that they see, that they may comprehend. I pray that there will be seers of the things of God. Of the things of God in the name of the Lord Jesus, that Lord, they will press beyond the limiting factors of the day, it will be torn into two before them, and that they will see into the most holy place and they will see the beauty of God and the beauty of Jesus. That they will stand, Lord, as priests and as, as leading priests inside of this company, inside of this community. And Lord, that Lord, the people may see and and so God create them and form them as a, as a source of inspiration. That they are the first to incarnate Jesus. So that Lord, there can be a company that follows in that mission. So this church will find satisfaction in becoming. That Lord, you, you'll, you'll, you, there will be no sense of, of being, being, being dissatisfied with the amount of activities that they're involved in. And content in the mission of God. Content in the word of God. Content in that which God has said satisfied and content around that which God has set for them. The next step, and so order their steps, God, I pray. Lead them out and let there be a marching out from the current location in this church into the next place, into the summit of Jesus, we pray. Let this be a church, a community of, together with Jesus. That they're adding their names to those who were crucified. Devin looks and may see a crucified people. Name of the Lord Jesus. Or a crucified people who are becoming something else. Abandoning the, the earthly, the earthly uh, projects, social class projects, and are embracing the kingdom of God. That it can be said of Harper City, in the days of Harper City, the kingdom of God advanced forcefully. Of Jesus, Lord. We lift the curtains, we pray. And we pray for the lengthening of, of the cause and of the curtains inside of the space. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that God in, in our own hearts, we step into something new. New capacity is what I declare, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the staring of the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's great.